Welcome to the Community of Hope Church podcast. Our church exists to interest disinterested people in Jesus Christ and then grow together into fully devoted followers of Him. So wherever you are, we hope you find this message helpful, practical, and applicable to your life. God bless. All right, so uh, if you haven't already, go ahead and grab your phone, open up the COH app, pull out your sermon notes. We're going to dive into our message for today. We are in week six of a series we're calling Resilient. Everyone say that. Resilient. Resilient. And what we have keyed in on as a teaching team is that uh, we think that there's a cultural moment happening right now coming out of the pandemic. For a lot of people, the pandemic was hard because of COVID itself. There's lots of people in our church who lost somebody in the middle of COVID. Um, And that was a devastating thing for a lot of people. And maybe you didn't necessarily get hit directly by COVID, but we all know what it feels like to come out of everything that happened in 2020, 2021, and all the conflict and all the pain and all the tension and all the just junk that happened in our society and in our culture, it kind of wore everybody out. Can I get an amen? And so really a hot word in our society and in our culture right now is learning to be resilient. You, if you travel in any airport right now, you can buy a litany of books. They're just right there about learning how to be resilient and developing a mindset that has grit, that has resilience, that has strength. And so we thought we wanted to contribute to the conversation. But here's what's unique. The culture will tell you that resilience is something that you could grow in yourself. Five ways to become more resilient. Six ways to develop a mental resilience and all these other different things. But the truth is, from the Christian perspective, we see it a little bit differently. And we think we have something unique to add to the conversation. Whether you're a Christ follower or maybe you're somebody who's new and checking this stuff out. We have a unique perspective. And it comes from a verse from the New Testament. That the, it's a prayer that the Apostle Paul wrote. This is our theme verse for the series. It's Ephesians 3.16. And it says it like this. Um, here, just let's read this all together. Ready, go. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. Good job. One of a great spiritual discipline, if you want to grow your faith, is to learn to memorize scriptures. Put that on a three-by-five card or put it as a background on your phone. It's a great thing to do. Here's the unique Christian perspective about this, that we believe strength, that in your inner strength, is actually not something you conjure up, but it's a gift to be received. That's what's different. And he's teaching people how to pray this prayer that out of God's glorious riches, out of God's infinite resources, out of um, God's deep reservoir that has no bottom to it, he has riches full of power that he wants to strengthen you through the Holy Spirit deep in the core of your being. This is the gift of Christianity. So if you're tired, if you're broken, if you're worn out, if you're weary, if you need strength, You've come to the right well today. So we've said all along, excuse me. Sorry, I had a really great, delicious iced coffee from Community Health this morning. We've said all along in this series, here's our key phrase, that I have a soul that God longs to fill with divine resilience. This is not something we're trying to pry God's fingers off of. He's longing to fill us with this. And we're going to be talking about what does it mean to be filled with it today. There's another core idea that across the couple weeks that we've shared with everybody that's really important to know. We've said that genuinely receiving Jesus as Lord 
is all that's required to get you into heaven. Grace is free. The, it's so amazingly radical that entire libraries have been filled on the concept of God's grace alone. Genuinely receiving Jesus as Lord is all that's required to get you into heaven. Thank you, God. But it's not all that's required to get heaven into you, which is what we're really trying to talk about in this series. How do you get heaven into you to receive inner strength to endure in this life? And it's my goal today to share with you, and my hope is that we're going to get a little bit more heaven into you. So past couple weeks, here's where we've been. Again, just quick recap. Maybe you're new here for the first time, streaming for the first time. Two weeks ago, we talked about mental resilience and guarding your thought life. Last week, we talked about emotional resilience and how to guard your heart. And today, we're going to close out this series over the next two weeks on the topic of what does it mean to be spiritually resilient. Spiritual resilience. I want to share with you guys a story. It's story time with Pastor Trevor. And I want to share with you the story of how I first became a follower of Jesus. Um, if you've been coming to community for any period of time, you've probably heard me tell this story before, but there's new people always coming to our church. And especially in this season, there's been a ton of new people coming to our church. Um, so if you've heard this before, forgive me, but we're just going to share it anyway. Um, I used to hate, hate going to church, loathed it. And now look at me, watch out, right? Um, I used to hate going to church as a kid. My parents would try to faithfully go and drag me and my brother every Sunday, and it was boring. The people were unfriendly. It was confusing. There were weird pictures of Jesus everywhere holding lambs like this one right here. And I, as a kid, had a hard time with the idea of worshiping a guy that looked like that, a guy who looked like I thought I could beat him up. Is that that's sacrilegious probably to say? Sorry, okay. I just didn't understand why this is soft-looking savior, and I'm learning martial arts, and I'm a boy, and I'm like, him? He's, he's the hero of the story around here? What's up with all these lambs? I would have for sure thought that Jesus was a dog person, right? I'm like, I just don't understand. I, this whole thing is confusing, and I don't know anybody's names. They don't know me, and it's boring, and blech, and I just... Hated it. We can, get, we, can get that, we can get that off. And I, can anybody else relate to that? Yeah, yeah. And so I hated it. And so my family quit going to church for a period of time. And then lo and behold, my mom was working as a preschool teacher in town. And the preschool was a, a, a ministry of a church. And one Sunday, they were honoring the preschool teachers. And we went to church where she was working as a preschool teacher. And let me tell you, this church was very, very different they had an electric guitar in church. Everybody knows the Bible says you're not allowed to use electricity in church. Everybody knows that. But this church was different. They were friendly. They explained things. Guys, they loved kids, and they taught the Bible in ways that kids can understand. And I was like, this isn't half bad. Okay. Mm, okay, I'm trying something new. And then... um. My dad got involved with some of the guys in the church, and they went to this event that back in the day was this huge thing called Promise Keepers. Anybody used to be involved in Promise Keepers? Great ministry. And uh, my dad went to an event uh, at a stadium in Tampa uh, for Promise Keepers. And let me tell you, uh, many of you know my dad. He's a wonderful man. Hi, dad, if you're watching. I love you. My dad has always been an amazing dad, an amazing husband, amazing father. So I'm just prefacing like this. He's always been a good man. 
But when dad came back from that conference with the men from our church, dad was different. Something was different about him. He was always a wonderful man, but something was on him. And I remember being fourth grade, fifth grade, like, what is that? It felt like peace. It felt like power. It felt like hope. It felt like love. It was something other on him. And I'm like, I don't know what that is, but I want it. And whatever it is, I want it. A couple months go by. My older brother, Graham. Graham, if you're watching, hey, love you. Um, my older brother, Graham, I was in elementary school. He was in middle school. And he went on a trip with the middle school youth group. A friend in our neighborhood invited him to come. And he went on a trip. And we went to go pick him up at night uh, when youth trips come back or student ministry trips come back late at night. And he was uh, smelly. He was going to the eighth grade, so, you know, poof. Um, he was smelly, dirty, sleep-deprived, and it was on him, too. Not the stank, but, you know. The same thing I felt on my dad was on him. And there it is again. I can feel it. It's the same power, that same hope and peace and that is whatever that is, it's on him, too. And I just hung around him like, what is that? What is that? What is that? And we got into the backseat of my parents' 1995 Honda Accord or 1994 Honda Accord, whatever it was. And um, we got in the backseat of it. And my stinky, smelly, sleep-deprived, eighth-grade older brother turned to me and said, Trevor, let me tell you about the Holy Spirit. And I went, it has a name. Now I know. Now, it sounds really gravitas like that. Let me tell you how it actually went down. It was like, dude, uh, God, tell you, Trevor, Trevor, the Holy Spirit is like, the Holy Spirit's like so awesome, man. He's like the best thing ever, man. I, there's the Holy Spirit, it's like, it's like, the Holy Spirit is like better than kissing Cindy Crawford. I'm saying that's what he said to me in the car. And I went, whoa. Welcome to Pastor Trevor's sermon. Our IQ will all be lower by the end of this. We'll be back next week. No, but in all seriousness, that's what he said. But that, if you don't know Cindy Crawford, she was like the supermodel of the 90s. And, but that whole comment, I just didn't even pay attention to. He was in his own eighth grade way trying to tell me how intoxicating it was to experience the presence of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what stuck with me. And at that point, when I was a little boy, I decided with all my heart and soul, I'm like, I don't know what it takes, but I'll do whatever it takes to get the Holy Spirit. I found out later that Jesus died on the cross for my sins. And I found out later that if I give my life to him, he has a purpose for my life and he gives me hope for the future. I mean, all those things are awesome. But I was like, if I say yes to Jesus, do I get the Holy Spirit? Great, I'm in. That's how I became a follower of him. And it's my goal today that you would leave here going, I want the Holy Spirit. I want you to catch what I caught. That's the goal. So our passage for today um, that the teaching team assigned me to teach from comes from Acts chapter 1 and the first four verses of chapter 2. And since we believe here that uh, the Bible um, 
is alive and it's inspired by the Holy Spirit that we believe when we read it, it actually reads us. So um, if you wouldn't mind, would you all stand if you're able for the reading of the word? And uh, this is what it says here, Acts chapter 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven, after giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you've heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or dates the father is set by his own authority, but you will receive power. When the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And then uh, Acts chapter 2, turn the page or whatever in your app. Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wow. Let's pray. So, Lord, your word um, is bread from heaven, and your spirit is living water. And so we have come to eat and drink in your presence. Come, Holy Spirit, let the wind blow. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. amen. You may be seated. So wind is incredibly powerful. We all know that all too well in Florida. Um, Our dear friends over on the West Coast know that when wind is out of control, like hurricane force winds, it can level a city, it can move beaches, it can wreak havoc and devastation. But when the power of wind is harnessed in the right way, like in a sail, you can traverse the Atlantic Ocean and discover new worlds by the power of wind. The power of wind is what lifts huge airplanes up into the sky and creates space for humanity to fly like birds. Wind is powerful. And we see the most powerful wind of all in what happened in Acts chapter 2. Wind is often a symbol of the movement of the Holy Spirit in the Bible. And it's used as a metaphor, but somehow, somehow, mysteriously, when God's people first experienced the Holy Spirit, they heard the sound of wind blowing. So in the book of Acts, it's written by a guy named Luke. He was a doctor. He wasn't one of the 12 apostles, but he was an early follower of Jesus. And as you read in verse 1, Theophilus was a patron of his who commissioned him to write first about the life of Jesus in what's called the Gospel of Luke. And they commissioned him to write about how the movement grew 
And it's really just the main character of the book of Acts is how the message of the Jesus movement began to explode across the known world. So volume one is Luke, volume two is Acts. And what we read is the moment when the birth of the Jesus movement, which is called the church, was born. And so we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit today. And some of you might be going, oh boy, here we go. It's about to get really weird. And uh, let me tell you, in our prayer ministry at Community of Hope, we have a value that the Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird, okay? And so I'm going to do my dead level best. I'm not going to be weird. And he's just awesome, okay? All right, great. So um, what we're going to do today is we're going to talk about four questions. That's all we're going to do. We're going to answer four questions about the Holy Spirit. So question number one, who is the Holy Spirit? Who is the Holy Spirit? It's Halloween time. Is the Holy Spirit like, some people say the Holy Ghost. Is he like Casper the Ghost? No. Oh, is the Holy Spirit like the force from Star Wars? This impersonal energy that Obi-Wan Kenobi can control? I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit's better than the force. And last time I checked, he's the one who likes to be in control. But moving on. Uh, the Holy Spirit, Acts chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, says on one occasion, while he's eating with them, he gave this command. So Jesus is talking. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father, okay, that's important, promised, which you have, keep going, which you have heard me, Jesus, speak about, for John baptized with water, but a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Okay, so if you're taking notes on who is the Holy Spirit, first off, the Holy Spirit's a person. Um, the Holy Spirit's not an it, even though at the beginning I said, what is it? The Holy Spirit's not an it. The Holy Spirit's a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. Can we go ahead and go to that next slide? The Holy Spirit is a person, and the Holy Spirit is God. Christians, uh, our doctrine of God is that we believe there is one God that eternally exists in three co-equal, co-eternal distinctions, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. The Father is God, the Son is God, the Holy Spirit is God. So Holy Spirit's not it, he's a person, and he's God. So that's who the Holy Spirit is. Great. Now, the next logical question beyond just the identity of this spirit that the Bible talks about and that you've heard me share about today is, well, why do I need the Holy Spirit? Why do I even, why, you said you want me to want the Holy Spirit? Why should I want the Holy Spirit, Pastor Trevor? Well, look at this here, Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. There's this story, i leave that verse up there. There's this story of a Native American, it's like a Native American uh, legend of a Native American coming down from the mountains and seeing the ocean for the very first time. And he decides to give me a jar and took a jar and filled it with water. Like, why are you filling a jar with water? He said, I want to come show my people what the ocean looks like and took the jar back home. Me trying to explain the Holy Spirit in one little talk today is like me trying to give a jar full of ocean water going here, the Atlantic ocean. Okay. But I'm going to do my dead level best. Make sense. So, what, why do you want to receive the Holy Spirit? And what does he do? Well, he imparts power to people. Power makes things a lot easier. When I'm trying to do house projects, um, I don't have a whole lot of power tools. I have some. My father-in-law, Paul, has always helped me build my power tool collection. If I need something specific, I'll go and borrow Dale's tools. And if I don't do that, I'll spend half an hour kicking something in my kitchen. It'll be bad. Power makes things a lot easier. And so how does the power of the Holy Spirit help things? Well, first off, he gives power if you're taking notes, write this down. He gives power to experience the love of Jesus. Go ahead, guys. There we go. He gives power to experience the love of Jesus. It will change your life if you learn not to sing, Jesus loves me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. 
which is wonderful and true and good, but it's a whole lot different. You say, Jesus loves me, this I know, because he told me so himself. It will change your life. You want a remedy for your depression? You want a remedy for your pain? You want something to bring healing to your heart? You want the power of the Holy Spirit to help you experience the love of Jesus, y'all. Holy Spirit gives power to become like Jesus, to change your character. Before I first experienced the fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit when I was in college, um, I was disgusted with myself. I was trapped in behaviors and choices I was making that I could not stop myself from choosing. You ever been disgusted with yourself before? I have. And I couldn't say no to some things no matter how hard I tried. And then I experienced a fresh feeling of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden I had power to say no that I didn't have before. If you're in here today and you're looking for power to say no to something, you want the Holy Spirit. The founder of the, West, West, um, the, founder of the Methodist revival, John Wesley, said this around the same lines. But then I sometimes, if not often, was conquered. Couldn't say no. Now I was always conqueror. The power of the Holy Spirit helps you switch the channel from I'm conquered by something to now I'm the conqueror of something. So he gives power to experience the love of Jesus, power to become more like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit gives power to carry out the mission of Jesus, which is nothing less than to save the world. We're not here to just have religious services and do pumpkins once a year. We believe that the message that we do in the local church is the hope of the world because it could change a human heart. But y'all, we can't do that in our own power. I had a professor from school tell me one time, that you, um, you can do the work of Jesus without the Holy Spirit. You can do it. You can push a car uphill. You can do it for a while. And he told us, give it about seven-ish years, give or take, and then you'll burn out and you'll quit. Doing the mission of Jesus with the power of the Holy Spirit makes things a lot more fun. All right, so question three. Well, then why should I seek the Holy Spirit? Now, this seems like a no-brainer, but it's not as obvious as it seems. I'm going to tell a story here. Um, I'm going to tell a story about the great Billy Graham. The great Billy Graham. And um, let's hear, uh, Keith, you get to be Billy Graham. No pressure, okay? So Keith is going to be Billy Graham here. And he was a young man. He actually went to Bible college in Florida. We're responsible. You're welcome, world. And um, he was a young man, went to Bible college, and he went to this old-style tent revival meeting. And they had this old-fashioned southern preacher there. And this guy got up in this tent, and Billy Graham was more towards the front. And he, this guy was going off on stuff, and he was really trying to amp up the crowd. And he was going, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And he would go to somebody, he would point to, have you, sir, been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And that person would nod and say yes. And when they did that, the whole tent would go, yes, bless God. So can we all just do that for a second? So, sir, have you been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Yes, bless God. And have you, man, been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Yes, bless God. And have you, sir, been baptized in the Holy Ghost? Yes, bless God. And then he goes to Billy Graham, the one guy he doesn't recognize. He goes, have you, young man, been baptized in the Holy Ghost? And Billy Graham goes, yes, I have. And, he, and then the guy went, when? <laughs> and Billy Graham said, the moment I gave my life to Jesus. And this old style preacher went, nah, that can't be, and just moved on. <laughs> Can you imagine being him going to heaven telling Billy Graham he didn't have the Holy Spirit? That was a bad day for that dude. People make two errors about this. 
They either ignore the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. They love the Father. They love the Son. But they treat the Holy Spirit like a creepy uncle in the corner that they don't want to talk to at Thanksgiving. (laughs) Or they overemphasize the Holy Spirit and make everyone else feel like second-class citizens. And they misunderstand some things. So let's clear some stuff up. Okay, why should you seek the Holy Spirit? First off, Scripture says that every follower of Jesus has full access to the Holy Spirit, but not full experience. You have full access, but not full experience. Check this out. Uh, Romans 8, 9. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. You can't become a follower of Jesus and experience all this stuff that I'm talking about unless the Holy Spirit helps you on the inside. If you've said yes to Jesus, you have him. At the same time, Acts chapter 8, 14 through 17, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that Samaria accepted the word of God, they sent Peter and John to Samaria. When they arrived, they prayed for the new believers there that they might receive the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit had not yet come on any of them. They had simply been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John placed their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. You can have full access to him. You might not yet have full experience of him. It's like the difference between having a gas stove, like the pilot light is lit. There is fire in that stove, but the burner's not turned on yet. You should seek the Holy Spirit because you have full access to him if you've given your life to Jesus. But you might not have full experience of him. You need to seek him because we can be filled multiple times, y'all. It's not a one-time event. So last verse that we read today, Acts 2.4, check this out. All of them, last time I read in Greek, and I've taken Greek and Hebrew, and I have a master's degree, and all means all. (laughs) Deep thoughts with Pastor Trevor. (laughs) All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Great. Two chapters later, Acts chapter 4, check this out. After they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken, and they, they all were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Scholars believe that explicitly Peter was filled twice, probably three times in what's recorded in Acts alone. You can be filled multiple times. So for some of you might be veteran followers of Jesus here. Again, we want to be a church that's uh, welcome, uh, interesting, and disinterested people in Jesus. But if you're a veteran of follower of Jesus, you're like, well, I got filled with the Holy Spirit 20 years ago. Great, you still full? Why should you seek the Holy Spirit? Well, lastly, we're commanded to. We're commanded to be filled. This is a command in Scripture. Ephesians 5.18 says this. Don't get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. So your soul's like a cup. And we have filled ourselves. We have capacity to fill ourselves with all sorts of things. And sometimes the things we fill ourselves with are poison. And here... The sin that it's explicitly talking about is the abuse of alcohol, which leads to really bad decisions. But we fill ourselves with all sorts of other poison, like lust, like greed, and materialism, and hate, and pride. We fill ourselves with all sorts of poison. So two things are happening in this verse. We need to empty our cup of what we've been filled with and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instead, it gives you capacity to change, to become more like Jesus. And also it says here, instead, be filled with the Spirit. This word here actually means continuously keep on, always be being filled with the Spirit. It's a continual thing. Stay plugged into the source. One time in your life ain't going to cut it. 
Be filled continuously with the Spirit. So let me ask you, community of hope, do you want everything that God has for you? So this is the question, how can I be filled with the Spirit? All this is great, but it has to end with how. I want it. I want him. I want the Spirit. How? Well, Luke wrote Acts, and he also wrote the Gospel of Luke. And we read in our passage today, the Holy Spirit is a gift the Father gives. In the Gospel of Luke, Jesus taught about this. And he taught people to, um, he gave, told a parable of like, Somebody had guests come unexpectedly late at night, so they went to their neighbor's house and knocked on the door for a couple loaves of bread to feed them. And because they audaciously asked, they got what they wanted. So you should ask, you should seek, you should knock. Those who ask will receive, those who seek will find, those who knock at the door will be open. And then he said, "If how many of you, fathers, if your son asks for a fish, or ask for, yeah, fish, we'll give him a snake instead, which I don't ever give my kids fish. I give them goldfish. So if you fathers, if your son asks you for a goldfish, we'd give him something that was dangerous instead. And then Jesus said this, Luke eleven thirteen, If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So how? Here's what it looks like. One, let's just do what Jesus said. He said, audaciously ask. Don't text like, dear God, if you're up to it, I might like the Holy Spirit. Ask big. I want what this bearded dude is talking about on stage, God. Maybe you felt it on others too. Maybe you felt it when you've come in here. It's not an it, it's a him. Ask for it then pursue it with all your heart. Casual seeking of God doesn't work anymore. The great scholar A.W. Tozer once said this. He said, before we can be filled with the Spirit, the desire to be filled must be all-consuming. The degree of fullness in any life accords perfectly with the intensity of true desire. We have as much of God as we actually want. You got to go for it. I'll give up anything to have this and God to have your spirit come live inside of me. I'll do anything. And then Jesus says, guys, trust the Father's heart to give it to you. You're not prying it out of his fingers. He longs to fill your soul with divine resilience. God longs to give the gift of the spirit. The Holy Spirit's not, we're not waiting for him. He's waiting for us. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray. And if you're able, um, would you be willing to stand? I'm going to teach you a prayer. And uh, I want you to, if you're somebody who wants more of the Holy Spirit, um, there's no pop quiz in here. If you're just learning, that's okay. But if, you, if you're buying what I'm trying to tell you, um, put your hand on your heart. I'm going to teach a simple prayer. You don't need to jump through hoops. It's just the prayer I call the more prayer. Father, 
We want more of you. We want more of your son, Jesus. And we want more of the Holy Spirit. Give us more, God. Just in this quiet moment now, if you want more of the Holy Spirit, if you want to be filled or filled fresh, ask God for more right now. Lord, as we seek you now, would you have the wind blow fresh in our church and in every hungry heart that wants more of you? Come, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. A gift is not something that you take, it's something you receive. And so if you want to receive more of the Holy Spirit, uh, we do a posture prayer. Just put your hands out like this. It's good to pray with your body on your heart like this. Let me just pray for you. And I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power and in your inner being through his spirit. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen. Friends, we have prayer teams on the side if you need prayer for anything. Otherwise, go in God's peace. We'll see you next week.